Good morning, New York City. It is 2.02 a.m., and you're listening to Taylor Ringgold on the fan. Ringgold on the fan. So has a nice ring to it. I know that was super corny, but I had to get out of the way. We have a lot to talk about this morning for the next four hours. I'm with you till 6 a.m. Jerry and Sal got the morning show at 6 a.m. Let's hope this weather gets out of the way and everyone can come to the office. I got Nick Matina behind the glass and, of course, the great Bob Huesler on the updates. Follow me on Twitter. Tweet at me with questions at Taylor Ringgold, T-A-Y-L-O-R-R-I-N-G-O-L-D. Of course, we'll talk Jets and Giants preseason. It's all wrapped up. Week one is on Sunday, 10 days away. And actually, I got a, I got a guest, 4 a.m. New York Giants second-round pick, linebacker Aziz Ojolari will join the show. I'm going to ask him a bunch of questions about training camp and what he's looking forward to in his first season in the NFL. And, of course, we'll talk about Zach Scott and the Mets, and we will definitely talk about Garrett Cole and the Yankees. And if this team can actually go and actually compete in the playoffs. But before I I even get into that, I do have to say one thing. It's an honor and privilege to be able to host a show at WFAN. I've worked here for almost three years now. Um, I've been a fan of the fan for as long as I can remember. So I'm excited. Enough about that. Let's get right into it. Garrett Cole tonight, seven innings, four hits, one earned run, and a lot of Ks. 15 strikeouts for Garrett Cole this is how you end a four-game losing streak. You get Garrett Cole in the mound, and you save this Yankee team from even losing more games. And not only that, the confidence goes down with this team. But they win the final game of the road trip. They go back to New York. They face the Orioles, which is a team you have to beat, and they will beat. But does this team have what it takes to make it to the playoffs? Which I think they do, but I don't think this team's going to go very far. That's my question to you guys. 877 877- 337-6666 is the number. I want to hear from you guys. We'll take calls after the break. But the Yankees today, absolutely a stellar performance from Garrett Cole. It's what the Yankees needed. And this was a Cy Young statement game for Garrett Cole. It's a great way to end a road trip. Garrett Cole on the season, 14-6, and six, a 2.73 ERA, and 215 Ks right now. He's my Cy Young. I'm sure he's a lot of guys' Cy Youngs. Robbie Ray is another pitcher. Lance Lynn out of the White Sox is another guy in the American League that can go get this Cy Young award. But Garrett Cole is the team Cy Young. He's the Cy Young in the American League, and he saved this team's ass right out of the gate. And the thing for the Yankees is what we saw tonight, we saw Araldis Chapman close out, got a strikeout. He looked like the Araldis Chapman of old. We've been seeing a real inconsistent Araldis Chapman all year long. And as a Yankee fan myself and the Yankee fans listening in right now, you got to be scared about that going into the postseason. That's got to be scary. You don't have a reliable bullpen. Now, this team has the best team ERA in the American League. But Chapman not being on his A game every single night, that's that's an issue. And as a Yankee fan myself, I'm livid every time He gets on the mound. I see a three-run lead. I get nervous. And guess what? You should be. Because he's not consistent. And we have Loisega coming into into this game and pitch really well. It's like a match made in heaven. Cole, Loisega, and then Chapman 
all doing their job, that's what we're going to see if the Yankees can actually go far in the postseason. Now, I think this Yankee team will be in the postseason as a wild card favorite. They'll, they're right now, they are in the number one spot in the wild card, two games up against Boston, which that whole team, that Red Sox team, is absolutely losing right now with the COVID issue. Almost half their team is getting COVID today. I think Bogarts was just announced that he has COVID. It's not a good time for a team to get COVID. I mean, in general, it's not, it's not, a good, it's not good. But what I'm saying is it's bad timing for a team like this trying to push for a wild card or a playoff spot. I think no one's beaten. No one's going to catch up to the Rays. The Yankees have the last series of the year in October. The first week in October, they play the Rays. Now, that is a series that could be very important down the stretch. But I think the Yankees should focus in on that they want to get on wild card because that's what it's going to be. Now, for Garrett Cole tonight... An unbelievable start. And since coming off the COVID IL, four starts, 24 and two-thirds innings pitch, a 0.73 ERA and 39 Ks. Here's another stat for you. After Garrett Cole, you know, I'm trying to read all these stats here. It's 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 actually unbelievable that he's tied for third most Ks um, when it comes to 11 plus Ks in a start. Three. It, it, it's I can't even read these stats here. I have so much here. But what I'm trying to say is with Garrett Cole, you need him to have some success throughout the rest of the season. 877-337-6666 is the number. Now, with the bullpen issue for the New York Yankees, it's not reliable. Now, the rotation could be an issue as well because you can't rely on Garrett Cole the remainder of the season. He's going to do his thing. He's going to pitch 7-8 innings, strike out 12. It's what he's going to do. But Jamison Tyon, he was a nice story. He's been a great pitcher so far. But the last couple of starts, he hasn't been himself. You're going to throw Nestor Cortez. Look, say that the Yankees win the a wild card game against the Sox, right? You're going to throw Nestor Cortez in a game two or game three. It's just not going to work out. It's just not going to work out at all. Whatever team they faced, the White Sox, or if it's the Astros, these teams are going to eat. Nestor Cortez alive. But I think this team's going to make the wild card, but I just don't think they're going to go past that. The offense has been the juggernaut for this team during that 13-game winning streak. The double plays, that's been a real, real issue for this team. During the losing streak, they had 11 double plays. Now, during the winning streak, the 13-game winning streak, only four. So, yes, the, the double plays have really killed the Yankees during the losing streak. But during this losing streak, we kind of noticed that we were seeing the June New York Yankees team when they went 12 and 14. A lot of things were going wrong, and it wasn't a team that we were even used to seeing. And I think for the Yankees, there needs to be a change going down the stretch of September. September baseball is the most important part of the year. The dog days of August are the Yankees killed it in August, quite frankly. It's pretty obvious. 13 even winning straight, 21 and 8 in the month. Situations have been kind of figured out with Voight getting all mad about Rizzo coming in. Voight voiced his opinion and how he felt about not getting playing time, which he should be. I agree with him. He should be getting playing time. But at the same time, he's not good enough defensively on the field, but his bat is very important for this team. Rizzo playing first base better defensively. Kind of check those off the list. 
having Stanton getting out of the DH role and playing in the outfield is very, very important for this team. He's a good defensive player. Not, you know, a Joey Gallo-type defensive player. Gallo's a gold glover. But you have Stanton, Judge, and Gallo in that outfield. You got a lot of you, – you, you, all three of those guys have killer arms. And they all can play some sort of defense out there. Because Gardner – look, Gardner's been playing great. Let's be honest. He's, playing, he's been playing great r- lately. But he's not going to be starring in the postseason. He just can't. He'll be that guy off the bench. He'll be that kind of guy. But it's just not going to be a starting outfielder for this team. Look – and, and there's, there's a lot more question marks with this team, too. The fact that the Yankees can win games every time Cole's on the mound, but then it kind of gets sweaty when everybody else is on there. And Severino has been such a disappointment in a sense that we, as Yankee fans and the Yankees, were really, really hoping to get him on this team and really, really help this team win a game and win games down the stretch in September. As a Yankee fan, I, I, it's exactly what I want. But watching from this series, kind of dominated Otani in this game, Garrett Cole shoving, and that's what you want. That's exactly what you want. But the, the, the thing with the Yankees and the Rays, the Rays are just way too good. Yes, they lost tonight. When they had a nine-game winning streak going. This Rays team is so, so deep. You start off with Wander Franco, who I think is on base streak. I think maybe continue tonight. The kid's 20 years old. And he's absolutely murdering it. Something that is uh, honestly pretty, pretty impressive to see. And the Yankees don't have a stellar shortstop like the Rays do. The Yankees have, look, you know, Velasquez is a nice option. It's nice. But wouldn't they want like a Glaber Torres from two years ago? Absolutely. And Glaber's coming back. It says he's going to come back and be in the lineup for Saturday, which is something the Yankees are pretty happy about. But it's, you're not going to get the Glaber Torres of old. And it's quite frankly, it's pretty obvious, unfortunately. Torres, the one thing the Yankees did wrong with Torres is take him out from the second base spot and put him to shortstop. Clearly, that's been a huge shift in his overall play. He's getting hurt quite often. It's just not what you want to see. And Gio Rochelle is on the day-to-day with a, with a sore hand. He should be coming back very soon, but you need all these things to click. Now, with the shortstop position, is if is Velasquez and Torres could you know exchange spots and be platooning together? I think so, but I don't know, man. It's 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 the confidence for me watching this team winning thirteen games in a row. They were doing everything right, and the, during this losing streak, a lot of things were just going were very unlucky, which is which is which is tough. But the one thing with Cole that you can rely on is that he will go out there every single time. And you saw tonight the relationship with Boone. He's 101 pitches deep in the sixth. He gets into the dugout, and he looks at Boone and shakes, nope, I'm not going anywhere. That's what an ace and that's what a workhorse does. And the Yankees have been looking for a guy like that for a long time, and they have their guy, and he's locked up for a while. So Yankee fans should be very, very happy. And communication is super key with teams like this. Going down the stretch into the playoffs, you need that relationship. You need that confidence. But is the entire bullpen going to be there? Cole will be there. 
Maybe the rotation might be there. But this bullpen is really, really sketchy. Now, I played a little baseball in my time. I played college baseball at SUNY Purchase College. Now, this is totally, I know I'm not comparing, I'm not comparing which, you know, pros to a D3 comparison here, but being around baseball, having confidence down the stretch in late games and having confidence late in a either playoff run or you're trying to push to get first place in the middle of June, whatever it is, confidence and consistency are two huge things that the Yankees need to keep going and keep and, and actually need. And tonight you saw that. Aaron Judge coming to Savior with a 30th home run of the year. He's become a player that, you know, we haven't seen this type of judge with a pretty decent average. He's a 299 right now. It's We haven't seen that at all, the average-wise. And we're seeing a lot of good at-bats with Aaron Judge. He has 30 bombs. We have Stanton, who's on fire. Luke Voigt has had a really good season. But these are the guys that need to consistently play well. And it's the tale is old as time. When September hits, it's like a switch needs to go off. And that switch needs to go off right now. It's September 2nd. I'm host on the fan. I want to be able to talk about these Yankee teams going forward and with confidence that this team is going to win games and play really, really well down the stretch. There's teams like the Houston Astros and the Chicago White Sox and the Rays. Could the Yankees beat any of those teams? No. Quite frankly, no. I would love the Yankees to prove me wrong. The White Sox have the most depth pitching-wise, my opinion, in the entire league. With Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, Giolito as the big three horsemen in that rotation. And then you have Crochet and Liam Hendricks and uh, Craig Kimbrell and Ryan Tapera in that bullpen for the White Sox. You think the Yankees... Look, the offense for the Yankees has pretty, has been very impressive the last month and a half or so, but do you think they can go face off against this White Sox team in the playoffs? No, I don't think so at all. I don't think so. The, the, the rotation for the White Sox in the bullpen, the pitching overall is so good for this team. And the offense for the White Sox is can match right there with them, with Abreu and Acuna. I'm sorry, not Acuna, um, Moncado. It, they have a ton of offensive power. Even Grandal, who strikes out every, you know, it seems like every at bat, but he puts the ball in play. And the Astros, wouldn't it be nice to see the Astros and the Yankees in the playoffs for what the Astros did to the Yankees? They cheated. Tuve Chapman rematch in the playoffs. That would be nice. That would be awesome. But I don't think it's going to happen. 877-337-6666 is the number. I want you guys calling in. After the break, I'm definitely going to be talking about that. Um, I want to hear your calls. And also tweet me at Taylor Ringold, T-A-Y-L-O-R-R-I-N-G-O-L-D. There's a lot of question marks for this team. That's the biggest one, is this bullpen, and will they actually go far in the postseason? My opinion is no. I've said that like about four times so far tonight, and I'll probably say it a bunch of more times tonight. Now, for the New York Mets, we'll talk a lot more about that after the break, but I do want to tease a little bit right now. Zach Scott, I mean, this team just keeps each every day, it seems like there's something new. Zach Scott, a DUI, he was at a fundraiser 
involved with uh, Steve Cohen and comes home drunk, driving drunk. First of all, you never want to do that, ever. Plain and simple, stupid. But the fact of the matter is that this is just another New York Met collapse, another New York Met collapse going on. It just, when is this team going to actually figure it out and stay out of the negative side? Stay out of page six. Stay out of that. Try winning some ball games. We'll talk more about that after the break. So my question to you guys is, right now, for, the, for these Yankees, does this team have what it takes to make the playoffs and compete in the playoffs against these powerhouse teams? This is Ring on the Fan. We'll be right back. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey app. Hey, yo. You ready? Let's do it. Back on the fan. I love that song. I absolutely love that song, Nick. It's the best. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere for her. I'm, I'm here, Ringle on the fan, till 6 a.m. 877-337-6666. We got callers on. We're going to go with Jay right off the bat here. Jay from Brooklyn. What's up? Hey, how are you doing? I just had three quick points. Um, first of all, do you think Garrett Cole has the consistency being that in the beginning of the year after the whole sticky stuff thing, he did give up like six runs in one game. Do you think he'd go through the postseason and we could totally rely on him? Also, what about Chapman? Do you think he's got over his stuff? And then do you think they're relying on the Wiseka too much and putting him in too much and then the postseason will just burn out? Jay, I'm going to go with that. Second, actually your third question about Loisaga stretching him out too much. I think that is definitely a thing that they're doing, but it's like they need to use somebody consistent. Britain's out for the year. There's not a lot of consistency through this rotation, and Loisaga has been a guy that the Yankees could rely on. Now, yes, I do agree with you that there is something called, you know, overusing a pitcher and putting some guy on such a uh, you know workhorse mentality, and he could be way too tired going into the postseason. Um, what was your 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 first question about Cole? You rattle off three right off the bat. No, just to follow up on the Wisegard, he this is the the most he pitched in his whole I think career in one in one season. Am I correct? Yeah, you're absolutely like by, by a far shot. Yeah, absolutely, Jay. Yeah, and but this is this is what happens when you are in a playoff team and you need. You're part of a playoff team. You have to perform. And if you are performing at a, at a pace that Boone's going to like, guess what? He's going to use you. And he's going to use you a lot. And Loisica is young enough and strikes out a lot of guys. And also, he throws so damn hard, too, which is really nice at the back end of your bullpen. And I know you said something about Garrett Cole and his, uh, was it the sticky situation you mentioned, or the consistency? What, what did you say? Yeah, I was just saying that he did have a rough time coming off that whole sticky situation. Um, I just, if you think that he's over it and now he's just dominant, the same dominant ace that he was when they signed him, or you still worried about him a little bit in the postseason? Yeah. Or I, moving forward? I think that whole situation with the sticky situation and how he really butchered that breast conference when asked, do you use it? And he was about 30-second pause. I remember I was working here at the fan overnight, and I was looking at the postgame, and I was like, or the pregame, and I was like, this is this can't be real, right? This cannot be real. At the time, you can definitely notice that 
with that going on, it did get under his skin. It did get it did it did really hit him hard. And it was almost almost obvious, right? Spin rate was super super low. Uh, he was getting rocked, but then he's clearly he's forgotten about it. Clearly, and that's what you need out of an ace when you have a couple rough starts. You need to push, and that's what the Yankees got. They got a guy that can push through and throws 125 pitches, complete game. Now he goes and throws over 100 pitches in this outing. Jay, this is what the Yankees got, and they need it. So, Jay, thank you for calling in. Our next caller here, I think, is – oh, okay, he hung up here. So, John from Staten Island. John, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Taylor. Good show. Hey, I had a question if we could back up a second. Uh, you were saying before how uh, when the Yankees were in the 13-game win streak, it was like they were doing everything right. But now, as they have to prepare uh, for the next 20 games and make make adjustments uh, so that they can get through the next 20 games healthy, are teams really scared to play them anymore? I think teams are definitely. That's a great question, John. I think teams are definitely scared to play this team. They know what the offense is. They got a lot of power bats. Gallo, Stanton, Judge, uh, Luke Voigt. Anthony Rizzo, LeMayhew, there's a lot of options in this lineup, and they should be scared. But it's about consistency. They're in this this, this four-game lose, this losing streak, John, 11 double plays. I've read that before. 11 double plays. That's the bad consistency, but we need really good consistency through this Yankee offense. And during that 13-game winning streak, we saw everything click. We were all questioning, was Luke Voigt going to actually – you know, kind of get the ego past him and say, I want to play first base. I'm a first baseman. You guys have seen what I've got. He's adapted to the DH role. We're, as as Yankee fans and callers calling in all the time on the fan, we're always worried about, is Stanton going to translate from mostly being a DH during his Yankee tenure here and put him in the outfield where he belongs and where he was actually good as a Florida slash Miami Marlin. And we've noticed now that he should be playing out there. So during this whole winning streak, we noticed a lot. We learned a lot from this team. And I guess what? Everyone in the American League learned a lot from this Yankee team. But will they actually go far in the postseason? My answer is no. Well, I mean, did they learn a lot from the four-game losing streak also and see that as a you know, a kink in the armor um, or or – are they still quite as scared as they were? I I, I think they're still scary, but during that four-game losing streak, you know, when you go down in these ruts and you individually poor well, you, you, you play poorly, or as a team you play poorly, you learn a lot about yourself and learn about what's going on with this team. And they've definitely adapted through. And look, the Angels aren't a this – last, this last series against the Angels, they're not a great team – but the offense does stick out with some players, including Shohei Otani, who is the best offensive player and the best player in the game. And you've got Jared Walsh. And, you know, there's not really other amazing guys in that lineup. You Justin Upton or, of course, Joe Adele. But the Yankees definitely learned a lot. And honestly, losing and finishing off August and opening up September with a win is exactly what this team needs. John, thanks for calling. Mark, you're on the fan. What's up? Hey, Taylor. 
How's it going? What's up, Mark? My question is about the Mets and Steve Cohen's first year as, as owner here. Is this arguably the worst first year ownership any franchise has seen in the history of sports? Because it seems like everything has gone wrong for the team, both on the field and off the field. What can Steve Cohen do this offseason to make sure this is not happening again next year? Mark, that is a great transition because I really want to get into the Mets going into the next half hour and honestly into the next hour at 3 a.m. on. This is exactly what Steve Cohen needs to do. This, this What he needs to do is he needs a basically a total rebuild change. And I think your question about is this the worst start for an owner in any sport? Yeah. <laughs> Mark, yes, it is. You start off in the calendar, like this calendar year, three major things have happened for this team. You have what happened last night with Zach Scott. You had Jared Porter to start off the year. And then you had Mickey Callaway throughout this year with what he's done in the past. So you have those three just by itself, no players involved. And then you have early on in the year with Lindor and McNeil going at each other under the rug, you know. And now you have this past week, which I really want to get into, is Javi Baez and Lindor and the rest of this Mets team going thumbs down, booing the fans. But yeah, Mark, totally agree with you. This has got to be the worst uh, start for an owner when an owner comes in, jumps right in on a franchise. Now, now you are a Mets fan, correct? Are you? It seems like you are. I am a Mets fan. That's why this has been a, a tough year for us all. Now, as a Mets fan, what do you want to see happen? I know you asked me, but I'm going to ask you right back as a fan, and I'll give you my perspective. What do you want to see happen with this team going forward into next year? Who needs to go? Who do you want to go? Everyone needs to go. I think everyone needs to go. I think uh, Sandy needs to go. Obviously, the guys Sandy's brought in need to go. Um, they can, I don't I don't hate Rojas. I don't love him. I think he has potential to be a good manager. I just don't know if he's ready for it uh, in New York just yet. Um, and I think they need to bring in just a big name baseball executive. You know, Theo, Theo I've seen is out there. Someone like them that needs to come in here, lock it down, don't get any trouble with the media, with the fans, with you know the law, and just. Try to get this team back, uh, hopefully, like every other team with no distractions off the field, and it's just all about on the field. Mark, thank you for calling. Um, exactly. There needs to be a lot of change, and I like how you mentioned some guys and maybe some guys that are even out there to replace maybe uh, you know Rojas or Zach Scott or even – Sandy Alderson. I think Sandy Alderson is a guy where, you know, he's been very subpar here. Kind of his, his whole tenure as a Met, being a GM, going somewhere else, and then coming back to be the team president. Mostly a failed team president. You know, he has to put out a press, le- press release and go talk to your to his players and say, hey, guess what, guys? You're doing the wrong thing. So there's step one. Alderson needs to go. I don't know who f- who files in and comes in and tries saving this team at that level. I don't know who that would be. Maybe callers come in, maybe give me their advice and what what they think. The number is 877-337-6666.
But I think Zach Scott's one hundred percent obvious choice needs to go. There, you know, at the deadline, you go get Javi Baez. At first, Met fans, and and, and as a, as a fan, baseball fan in general, I look at this. I say, look, I, I like this move. Javi Baez is a decent guy. He only leads the strikeout, leads the league in strikeouts, unfortunately, which is not good on a team that really doesn't hit well in the last couple months. This has been struggling offensively. There, you know, in my opinion, I think Zach Scott failed at that part. Now, Baez is a, is a viable option, a nice trade asset to get and put in the middle of this order to help this offense push but they're not going to be pushing anywhere because I know they're not making the playoffs. I know it's cute. They won two wins in a row to end the month. They're supposed to play tonight, but going to September, they're on a two-game winning streak. Like, no, dude, no. It's all cute. And it's just this team is is garbage all the way throughout. And the fact of the matter is Zach, Zach Scott is another guy who needs to go. And, frankly, I, I really wanted the Mets to go get either an Adam Frazier. And Adam Frazier has been a guy who has been struggling – an unreal amount in San Diego. At first, you know, at the deadlines, you know, Frazier is leading league in hits, leading league in average, and that is clearly not the case now. But Chris Bryant was definitely the number one trade option at that time, and he would have fit perfectly in this lineup with a lot of struggling guys. And Chris Bryant could play everywhere, third and first. He can play the outfield spots as well. So versatile player like that is nice to have. But with Zach Scott, you have that issue. You got a bias, but you didn't get really other pieces, like maybe another starting pitcher. You have Carrasco came back. He's been crappy since he's been back off the IL. DeGrom is out, and they should absolutely shut him down for the rest of the year. Strowman has been the one consistent player all year long for this pitching staff. And you've had nights here and there where Diaz is pitching decently well, but he's not, for Met fans, you guys are scarred. Over, over Diaz in the back end of the bullpen. Familia needs to get shot to the sun. He's terrible. But there's not – pitching was definitely, I think, an option they should have went for. And then, of course, you have what just happened in the last 24 hours. Zach Scott, without the amazing Mets Foundation charity event on Monday night at Steve Cohen's Connecticut home, and then he gets pulled over for a DUI. What sort of leadership – there's no leadership there. He's out misbehaving, not doing what he's supposed to do. In, in, first of all, in his job, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. And then he goes out and gets a DUI, and it's just another black eye on this Mets team. And what's really funny is on August 10th, Zach Scott was you know, cri- criticized his own players for not taking accountability for you know, staying healthy and being <laughs> – isn't that funny? It's like so ironic. And he said, like, um, among things, you know, he said, we've got to take ownership of your career and your health. And it's pretty ironic that he has to take accountability of his own health as well. DUI is a mess. And then there's Rojas. What do the Mets do with Rojas? Personally, me, I like Rojas. I like him. He sounds like a nice guy. Baseball mind. I don't think he's a fit here in New York, unfortunately. You need, uh, you know, a, you just need a better manager. That's what you need. And at the end of the day, he's going to be gone. Scott's going to be gone. And so is Sandy Alderson. 
that's just unfortunate. 877-337-6666 is the number. Call in. I want to hear you guys talking about this Mets team. I want to hear you guys being so upset about this stupid team. Because as a baseball fan, you could say this is the biggest disappointment all year. Overall baseball, right? The only thing the Mets did right this year was not sign Trevor Bauer. That's the only thing that's right. Met fans were so livid. Oh, my God. You know, we hate Bauer. Screw him. Whatever. At the end of the day, you made the right decision. And that's the only good decision you guys have made. Getting Jared Porter as the GM. He was here for a sip of coffee. See you later. Also, see you never. And now you have Zach Scott being the interim GM. Really hasn't done much right. And then you add what last night. You're just adding insult to injury. Just it just it's almost like it doesn't it's not real you know it doesn't seem like a real thing. But what options are out there for the GM spot is a guy named Theo Epstein. I wish he was the GM coming into this Mets season with Steve Cohen taking ownership of this team. He has everybody and anybody to go out and get. Now, Theo Epstein, he's cooking, he's chilling in the Major League Baseball offices here in Manhattan. He's having a good time. He's doing his thing. But why wouldn't you go give a call to Theo Epstein? Pick up the phone and start dialing. That's a line from, uh, uh, what's it called, that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm, like, forgetting right now. Nick. Um, Wolf of Wall Street. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. That's why, that's why Nick's the, the, the man. Nick got me right there with the line. I said it perfectly to it. It made t- so much sense. Um, but I couldn't think of the line of the movie. Um, but, yeah, pick up the phone and start dialing. He's got nothing going on. He's doing some sort of administrative stuff with Major League Baseball. It's a nice name in, in the offices. And it's not like you're going to uh, a team and asking for Theo Epstein, right? Theo Epstein's contract's not up. You're going to go to the lead office. You're like, hey, Rob Manfred, can I? Can we take this guy from you guys? You know? And Theo Epstein is definitely m- more than capable of changing and fixing a team. You ever heard, like, the Red Sox and the Cubs, the biggest droughts ever when it comes to winning a World Series? And he did that. He shaped this team around, and he got them to winning formula. And that's what this team needs. And this team also needs leadership, too. I'm going to talk about leadership on this team, which they don't have. Leadership is very, very important with every team, but the New York Mets don't have it. I'll discuss that right after the break. Ringled back on the fan, my boy Action Bronson. I love Action Bronson. Nick, are you an Action Bronson fan? You know who that is. I know who it is. I've never listened to him a lot. I love his music. This is just an instrumental because can't play the music because a lot of cursing going on. You can't do that. Um, back on the fan, 877-337-6666. It is 2.45 a.m. New York City. My producer here, Nick Matina, gave me an, a nice update here with the weather going on outside. It's not good, kids. No, it's still crappy. Yeah, it's still bad. There was a, a citywide shutdown, no transportation. And now it seems like the LIRR is closed. So we could be here forever. 
So I guess we can kind of sit back and relax and kind of get comfortable here. 24-hour show. Hey, whoa. I don't, know if, I don't know if I have enough content for 24 hours, you know. I'm here with you guys till 6 a.m., 877-337-6666. We got Kevin from Staten Island. Kevin, you're on the fan. What's up? Hey, good morning. Uh, so I, I think the whole situation with the Mets GM, uh, obviously Theo Epstein will be a, a good choice, has the, has the pedigree that everyone knows about. Uh, but well, it was reported that he wanted part of ownership to come. Uh, and if so, would you give that to him? I, I personally wouldn't. Would that would that be something you would offer? Because as we've seen, a guy could could do something, get fired, and it, it, to me, it's not worth offering that. So hey, it's interesting to take on that. Yeah, Kevin, that's a great take. Um, honestly, if if Steve Cohen would one give up ownership, I mean, look, Steve, it was so hard for him to even get the ability to buy and own him and, and own the Mets, excuse me. So it took forever, a lot of different, you know, you had Battle A-Rod and a bunch of other people trying to buy out the Mets, and he has now ownership of them. The, the Will Ponds, I don't think they have ownership of the Mets anymore, but they have ownership of SMY. But if you want to give a little piece, like how what's the percentage? What is the percentage you want to give to Theo Epstein for him to come over? I don't think giving up percentages is going to work for Steve Cohen, but maybe give them some more other incentives. But I would love, if I was a fan, why wouldn't you want to take Theo Epstein? He's been a, probably, you could say, one of the best general managers of all time. He will be in Cooperstown in that category. And so will Cashman. But with Theo Epstein, it's different than Cashman. Theo Epstein changed two organizations that were a laughingstock of baseball. Now, the Red Sox were making the postseason in those, those 90s and 2000s, not as much as the 90s, but in the early 2000s, they had a powerhouse teams, but they weren't getting it done because the Yankees were kicking ass. And now with the Cubs, that division was pretty stacked going forward in 2016, right? You had the Brewers were a pretty good team. The Cardinals are a good team. So, And even before that, the good teams like the Pirates were, there was an error. The Pirates were actually really good. So having Theo Epstein change the Cubs around, change the Red Sox around, I know it's a lot like there's, there's a lot on uh, a nice resume for him, but I don't think Steve Cohen and his ego would give up a percentage. It's like, you well, know, what do you, is, is, does that make any sense, Kevin? Oh, it, it does. And uh, just, just the one comment, unfortunately, in the Mets, uh, the Wilpons still have 5% ownership of the Mets, so – there's, there still is that stench attached to the team, uh, but yeah, it, it, Theo Epstein obviously is going to be in the Hall of Fame for what he's done. Uh, so he, he would be a great hire. But when, when we, when we look at, at the couple of highs that the Mets had, obviously be, besides Porter and Zach Scott, Zach Scott, you know, it, it, it's an embarrassing situation for him personally and the Mets organization. But that was. And unknown. It wasn't something he didn't have previous history, not something that come up on a background check. And so the guy's out a few months after being hired. Also, when you look at some of the decisions, as much as as much success as Dio has had in Boston, in Chicago, you know, you you sign players. Not that I was necessarily in favor of the Lindor trade. I can't also say I, that I would have forecast that he was going to have the year that he had. No, nobody thought that McNeil would necessarily hit 50 points below his career average and Conforto and so on and so on. So sometimes even what might be 
a good decision may not work out. So there's no guarantee with Theo. So just and and again, I asked that question because he he reportedly when he left the Cubs would only go to a position that offered ownership stake, which to to me. I, I, I couldn't do that if I was Kona or if I was even now uh, just coming from Staten Island. I, I couldn't offer. You, you offer money, of course. You could always get out of money if you if you get fired for cause. But ownership, you give a percentage of a team, it's fine. Yeah, it's not going to happen, though. You know, I, I at the end of the day, you have to you have to realize that, yes, it is a business. And Theo Epstein has a future. Thank you, Kevin, for calling. Um, you know, Theo, smart dude. It's a young cat. He understands what it's like to change an organization. And look, the resume shows, and I understand he wants to maybe go get some percentages, right? But it's just not going to happen. And was Zach Scott given a situation that was kind of unfair? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jared Porter, who was this young guy coming in, a lot of experience, a lot of people liked him. And then he's out, and quickly Zach Scott is now the interim GM, and so he's thrown a lot on his table, and there's a lot of blame going on, which deservedly so, and also there's sometimes that there's situations where, like, it is unfortunate for Zach Scott to get some of the blame. You can't get the blame for how Conforto's playing. Conforto, since he's been back, he's batting basically around the Mendoza line. Did he have a nice game in the final game of, of August, right, this past couple of days? Yes, the big two-run home run. I think it was a two-run or three-run home run, but it was, it was the sweet swing of Conforto that Met fans have been seeing the past couple of years. But overall, guys, it, it just he's not playing well. And you have that happening. And let's Kevin rattled out some names. Mick Neal, man, you suck too. I Look, Nick, Nick, I can go off for hours on the New York Mets, and I might. This is – it just – it's – I honestly, I honestly wanted to open up with the Mets, but since Garrett Cole struck out 15, it was pretty obvious to open up with them. I feel like this season alone, you can go for the whole four hours if you wanted to about the Mets, but I don't know if anyone wants to hear that for four hours. Yeah, I know, because guess what? You know, Jerry and Sal will probably pick it right back up at six o'clock, you know? But I, I do, but it's when I was prepping for this show and trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about, I really wanted to talk about this New York Mets team because it's like you can write a movie about how bad they've done. And not only a movie about how bad they've been, but an overall movie about just the antics and the drama involved. It seems like a reality TV show mixed in a, you know, Warner Brothers movie. It's all mixed together. And guess what? This would make a lot of money on the box office. I'd be watching it. It's just, it's like, it's so unfortunate. I, I, I got friends that are Met fans and they just can't, can't take it anymore. And if you're Steve Cohen, this is your first year as an owner and all this is happening. Well, I feel like it only can go up from here. You have players that are not performing. You have players calling out fans, which I definitely want to talk about. Probably, probably, I'll probably wait for that after the update with Bob Husler at the top of the hour here. But, you have all this stuff together under Steve Cohen's watch. And to top that all off, Steve Cohen is tweeting, live tweeting during games, and also waking up in the middle of the night and tweeting about other just nonsense. You're talking about your players' OPSs and how it shouldn't be this hard to get on base. Steve, get off Twitter. Remember he started tweeting a lot and then he deleted it and then he brought it back? Like he should have just left it where it was. 
Now, personally, like I liked it sometimes where he was tweeting and it was fun tweets. And he said something along the lines like, oh, you know, the I guess the, I thought the black jerseys would be more controversial than this. And I was talking about the booing of the fans and the thumbs down stuff, which I'll talk about a little, in a little bit. But there needs, there needs to be a total rebuild stage. And that goes along with guys not coming back next year when I'm talking about players. Conforto, see you never. He's on a one-year deal, $12, $12 million. He's not coming back. Dom Smith signed on the cheap, one-year, $2.5 million deal. He's just not producing. The thing about this free agency, there's a lot of players out there, including a lot of shortstops. And that one shortstop is out there is Javi Baez. Will he get re-signed? I don't think so. Now, I talked about leadership. I'll talk about this right now a little bit, and then we'll talk more about it after the break. There's not a lot of leadership on this team. One of the leaders, you know, you have Pete Alonso, who's also kind of weird with the leadership. Like, he almost tries to play off how bad they are. It's like, oh, we're just struggling. You know, we'll get back into it. There's bright spots. I understand about being positive. I'm a positive guy 90% of the time. But it's like, you need to be realistic at times, Pete. You got to be realistic. Like, oh, yeah, we suck. We're just not good right now. You have to, you have to be realistic. That you're, If you want to just change a whole mindset, being realistic with yourself and being realistic with your teammates makes the fan base, honestly, like you a little bit more. Because if you're BSing them, it's just not, you're, it's just not going to work out. Pete's here for a little while. He ain't going nowhere. Dom Smith, Conforto, gone. Those aren't really, you're not seeing a lot of leadership with those guys. McNeil is another guy. You're not seeing a lot of leadership because remember the beginning of the year with Lindor and him were kind of going at it in the tunnel and they said there was some sort of rodent issue, whatever it was. I almost kind of like forget about that. It was so long ago, but I can't believe it was all in one season too. So, and even with other guys that are, have been performing better as of late with with Lugo and you know Edwin Diaz, I remember when Edwin Diaz was on the Seattle Mariners and he was getting Cy Young votes for how good he was as a closer, his ERA under one. And then the fact that he comes to New York in the Robinson Cano trade and, you know, Kelnick goes off in that trade. And, you know, he's been struggling, but he's going to be playing a lot for the Seattle Mariner team, which are trying to make a push right now. They're only three and a half out of the second wild card spot. But it's clearly showing that the Mariners won that trade and losing Cano because of steroids. I, I, I Look, I'm even forgetting stuff. And like Cano is like that. Was that even in the off season? I don't even remember. Was that, that was definitely off season, right? I'm not too positive when it started, but it just reminded me. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture online. It's been like a, a meme for a while, but it's like the very small domino and then the guy pushes it and it leads to a much bigger domino. Like, where is what? What could you settle as that starting point at the very small domino? Uh, dude, there's so much you can just put, like right David there. Wright leaving the Mets. <laughs> I guess him <laughs> retiring, and then just that's yeah. years and years of depression and horrific events going on for this New York Met team. You know, there's been some bright spots for this New York Met, New York Met offense. You know, Jonathan VR has been a nice addition to this team. Signed him to a one-year deal. Go re-sign him. He's been pretty viable option off the bench playing all over the infield. You know? But the guy that needs to change in every facet, it's obvious to everybody, and it's Francisco Lindor. It is obvious. 
course, batting in the 220s is not what you want as a Met fan. And guess what? He doesn't want it either. And I know Bob Hughes was doing the update in a little bit, and he's the biggest Met fan in the world, and he's probably not happy with what I'm about to say, but he's not a leader. He sh- and he's, he's so subpar right now, it's honestly really sad to see because he's better than this. He's an all-star shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. Now it's totally different markets, but you saw leadership there with that young core of Indian players. You saw, uh, you saw leadership from him going into the playoffs, going into the World Series, clutch at clutch at bat. But where is the leadership now? That's where I'm confused about. Where is the leadership? And it doesn't start off. You you really haven't seen much of it at all in his first year as, as a New York Met. You're going to see this for the next 10 years? Can Met fans actually be okay with that? Uh, as, a, as an outsider, I'm livid just watching this unfold. He's better than this. And adding insult to injury with the thumbs down stuff, it's just you're adding insult to injury. It's immaturity. And I'll tell you more about the leadership stuff because there's been other players, New York athletes, that have gone through the boos and gone through the countless times of you suck, you shouldn't play here, we don't want you playing here type of backlash. But guess what? They fought through with it. And I have a quote that I will read off after the break here. 877-337-6666. 66 is the number. I want you guys calling in. Grieve with me when we come back. Good morning at 3 o'clock. I'm Bob Hiesler, and this report is powered by Superbook. Now open with better odds and favorable prices. Also brought to you by www.policeofficersrighttosue.com. The Yankees gave the ball to Garrett Cole and got out of the way and watched their four-game losing streak disappear. They beat the Angels 4-1 to salvage the final game of the series and complete a 5-4 road trip. Cole, seven innings, struck out 15 and walked none, and he made it look easy. I felt that like I wasn't just exerting like a ton of energy early and then able to, to locate, and then once I got in a rhythm, I was able to kind of add and subtract and felt confident in me where the ball was going. As he wins his 14th game, Luke Voigt drove in two. Aaron Judge hit his 30th home run. And Aroldis Chapman a 1-2-3-9 for his 25th save. And the Yankees gained a little ground on the Rays, who finally lost. The Red Sox beat Tampa Bay 3-2 to end their nine-game winning streak. So the Yankees are seven back. Mets and Marlins rained out. They complete the series tonight. Mets acting general manager Zach Scott arrested early Tuesday morning in White Plains on the charge of driving while intoxicated. The Jets have released defensive back Bless Austin. Second round at the U.S. Open in the feature match. Sloan Stevens defeats Coco Goff, 6-4 and 6-2. Naomi Osaka advances to round three in a walkover. You can make a difference by shopping for your at-risk neighbors. Volunteer with Invisible Hands to deliver food and other essentials. For more information, visit invisiblehandsdeliver.org. 65 degrees, cloudy skies, and that's what's happening. I'm Bob Yesler with Sports Flashes on WFAN. Listen to the fan anytime, anywhere. Download the Odyssey app. Favorite us today. And if you have a smart speaker, just say, play WFAN.
Your official station to talk Brooklyn Nets. The Fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey app. It is 3 a.m. Eastern Time, New York City. Back with you at the fan. Taylor Ringgold here. Ringgold on the fan. God, I love this song, too. I'm bringing all the good hits here. That's what I've been doing. I'm going to do that all night long. I'm going to bring the hits. And remember, at 4 a.m., I got an interview with second-round pick Aziz Ojale from the New York Giants, talking everything training camp with him. Nice, solid nine-and-a-half, ten-minute interview with him. And then we'll take your questions right after that at the top of the hour at 4 a.m. after Bob Husler with the update. Now, I talked about it coming out of the break, before the break, about leadership with the overall New York Mets. I'm having people message me on Twitter talking about Steve Cohen's leadership, which is something that needs to be there. There needs to be leadership there. And we'll see leadership from him going into the offseason. All these guys are going to be gone. Rojas, Scott, Alderson, they're all going to be gone. But a guy that's not going to be gone is Francisco Lindor. That's a player that's going to be here for quite a long time. And I, right before the break, I, I gave the topic out to you guys about leadership and where he's going to be at with his leadership skills. Look, 10 years, $341 million, damn it, you need to have leadership. That's just what it is. You need to have leadership with you. All these qualities, great personality, great team player, leadership has to be there, and it's not. Confidence was always there, but you can see that when he's hitting, his confidence isn't there. Look, look, opening up the season, 100% you're going to be nervous going up to the plate. March 31st, he gets the contract. He gets the, he gets the contract extension. And then you got opening day right around the corner. So you got there's all these expectations. And if you don't fulfill those expectations, teams, the fan, guys, the fans are going to boo you. And Lindor, if you're hearing this, which I probably know you're not, but I wish you are, you need to change your the way you handle yourself as a leader. Now, there's a guy by the name of Derek Jeter. In 2004, he was struggling. And guess what? I'm sure he struggled a few more times during his Hall of Fame career. But he was asked about getting booed in 2004. There's really no date here, but I'm, I'm reading a quote here um, from at Justin Diamond on Twitter. He posted this over 7,000 likes on Twitter. says, I don't blame him, Jeter said, after watching his batting average dip to 197 with another 0 for 4 night. We would have booed ourselves tonight. It's hard to imagine being worse than we are tonight. Put me at the front of that list. See, that's what a leader does. A leader owns up to what they've done wrong and how they're continuing to to make mistake after mistake. You think Eli's been booed before? Guys, yeah. If you're in your 20s, even even 20s are up. You've been watching, you watched Eli Manning do really well here, win two Super Bowls. And also play really, really bad football. Do you think he was affected by a booze? No. Yeah, it was probably pissed him off. He was upset. But he's not lashing out to his own fans. You think Mickey Mantle has ever been booed? I'm sure he did. I don't know. But guess what? 
at one point in your career, you're not going to perform at the highest level. It's just how it is. The greats in this game get booed for a reason, right? If they do not perform, fans will get mad. Guess what? Sorry, I'm shouting you out clearly. If you're not doing good, guess what? Nobody really cares because you're not one of the big names. Is he a big name prospect? Yeah, sort of for this New York Met team, right? But with his tenure, with his his short little stint up here in the, in the major leagues, uh, he was playing like crap. I remember I was working as a fan one night. He was playing in Miami. He made one really nice defensive play after going, I think, 0 for 14 in his first 14 at-bats, something along those lines. But you're not Francisco Lindor. And with with that being said, he was the catalyst. He was the leader of the, the thumbs-down movement. That's not what a leader does. Now, Baez was the poster boy for this. He was. And I was working the other night here at the fan, and I walked into the studio, and my boy, shout out to Pat Boyle, was producing that night. And I said to him, look at what's going on. This cannot be real. That the thumbs down thing correlates to we're going to be booing our fans because we don't like getting booed at. Then first of all, number one, play better. Obvious. Javi, dude, you've played not even 20 games here. You have over 20 strikeouts. You are around the Mendoza line as a New York Met. Change, dude. Look, if you were batting 350 as a New York Met with eight home runs in 20 or so games, you know what? i still be mad at you, but I'll be like, all right. Things would be different because probably they would be winning games. He's playing better overall. I'm sure the team would be playing overall better as a team. So then maybe the thumb down view thing would be kind of cute. Thumbs down this, thumbs down that. It's a cute thing. Not now. It was a horrible take, a horrible decision on their part to do this. And for Javi Baez, I'll get into Lindor again. I just I know I I was, you know, you know, going off on him for the last eight minutes into this new hour here. But for Javi Baez, there's a lot of riding on this second half. And honestly, it's right. A lot of things are riding on this last month for him individually. This Mets team's not going anywhere. They're not making the postseason. I know they're, you know, five and a half games back from the Braves, three and a half, three games back from the Phillies, five and a half out of the wild card. It's not going to happen. There's a lot of good teams in the National League. You have three teams in the National League West that can go all, all of them can go to the playoffs. One of those three teams, the Dodgers, Padres, or Giants, one of them is winning the division, and I think both of them are going to go to the playoffs as a wild card team. Cincinnati Reds are making a nice, nice push, but and also the Phillies are trying to make a push into the postseason as a wild card, even a division winner here. The Mets aren't going to go anywhere. So for Javi Baez going forward, he needs to absolutely dominate at the plate. Defense, he's an above average defender. Coming up when he was a Cub, he was this, I remember his first at-bat, his first game in Colorado. He had an opposite field home run. He crazy batting stands, whipped the bat around, and this was a guy that was going to be the future for the Cubs, and he was. He had a great Cubs career. Towards the end of his Cubs career, was he striking out a ton without a doubt? So what came with strikeouts, came, then, then came home runs. But what came with strikeouts also came to a low batting average. But overall, 
what needs to change for him going forward? He needs to play better well. For him individually, he's in a free agent next year. Do you think Met fans want you back, dude? Now, I know you scored the game-winning run the other day. I know. But long-term, long-term, you are not coming back to New York. It's just not going to happen. I don't see it happening. How are you going to come back to New York after being one of the faces of this thumbs-down movement that lasted 24 hours before Sandy Alderson had to do a press release, which how embarrassing that is. It's like your dad yelling at you, and then, like, it's imagine if Baez Lindor are these kids that they get sent to the dean's office because they're not being good kids in class, and then Sandy Alderson is the father and needs to come down to the school and hear what the dean and the president have to say. And guess what? This is, it's just, Alderson's the parent. These players are children. And they're acting like kids. And Baez, with a walk here here, he wants to make a boatload of money. There's a lot of nice shortstops that are free agents. Lindor signed already. You have Corey Seager out of L.A., Carlos Correa, who's already talking right now about extensions and staying with Houston. You have Trevor Story. So there's, and then you have, then you have Javi Baez. Going into the season, like even before the Lindor trade, it was pretty evident that Baez would be the guy on the the last guy on the totem pole. I like Trevor Story more when it comes to the, the uh, better shortstop overall. Baez just strikes out way too much, and with the with these antics going on, he's not he's the first one not coming back to the Mets, and also you're just losing yourself out of money overall because at the end of the day. Yes, he can play pretty well offensively. He'll hit you 30 home runs. He'll strike out 200 times. But will teams deal with the BS? Will teams deal with these stupid antics? Will they do that? It's a it's a risk you're willing to take. For instance, like like the I know the Bauer situation is totally flipped upside down, right? And you know, it has because he's an absolute scumbag. He's not a good person. But the overall player side, when he was a free agent, he Bauer had a lot of baggage in the sense of a personality that was untamed, who had a lot of opinions that he wanted to voice when he was upset about something. And the Dodgers took that side, of course, the great player in Bauer, but they took the side of he's a vlogger. He's on Twitter all the time. He's causing a ruckus with Rob Manfred. He doesn't like Rob Manfred. I mean, I don't know who likes Rob Manfred, but I agree with that. But this is like almost like a situation with Baez where he needs to really just tighten up here, shut up, play better, and try winning this fan base back because it's not going to happen. And, you know, people are saying, you know, did they mean to do it? People are saying no. Was it a learning? Was this all a learning experience? Getting, you know, sunned by all the fan base? And Sandy Alderson telling everybody we're going to talk to him in private. I guess it's more of like a humbling moment for this New York Met team. It's a humbling moment in the sense that it's been a really bad year overall. With everything going on in the front office this last 24 hours with Zach Scott, players aren't playing at their level. Shout out Michael Conforto, Dom Smith. McNeil, guys aren't staying healthy. Shout out Jacob DeGrom. Nimmo's wouldn't hurt. Noah Syndergaard, non-existent. He's getting mad about 
teams, uh, the Mets playing on Sunday Night Baseball on the West Coast, but you can't get healthy. Like, there's a lot of distractions. It's a huge, this whole season's like a giant learning experience for Steve Cohen and the entire team. That's what it is. And then you have Lindor addressed it a little bit by saying, I apologize. I didn't mean to offend anybody, but this. And Baez was the same thing. Explanation was kind of cringy and also hilarious at the same time. We didn't see Baez, we didn't see Lindor until we saw him at the U.S. Open signing a Yankee hat. And then you had the fan who was filming it. We don't care about the thumbs down. Just hit 320. Well, Guy, 320 is kind of hard. Boy, what Baez can do that. And fans are are pissed about Baez. Not Baez, excuse me. I said Lindor. Lindor can do that. When pissed, people are pissed about Lindor because of his offense, you, you can't disagree with that. You know, Lindor said that you can't rag on my defense. You can't rag on my base running. But you can, you know, my, my offense, my hitting is not there. And, like, no kidding. You haven't been there all season long, and then you've been hurt. And there's a situation back in the early days of 2005, 2006. And I had to do my little, my research the past couple of days. Carlos Beltran is his new Met, 2005. He struggled in 2005. 2006, he went on to have a good year, 41 home runs, 116 RBIs. But he did struggle at moments during that year and moments where it was bad. It was long stretches of not playing good baseball. And that season for 2006, Met fans know, was an unbelievable season for this Met team. And, of course, Beltran was the one who ended the season striking a look against Adam Wainwright. But there was a point in that season where Beltran didn't get a curtain call. He didn't want to get a – he got the curtain call. People wanted to come outside. He said, nope, I'm not coming on. And the fans hated him for that. And for good reason. And then he kind of won him back. But this is kind of like a different situation where the thumbs down thing really blew up more on social media and more fans across the country figured it out. But what I'm saying is Beltran was probably the most sensitive player that the, in the New York Mets history. And it was probably the best trade, uh, the best you know acquisition in New York Mets history in, 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 a, in a way. But Lindor needs to take a page out of that book and say, look, even Carlos Beltran, a guy who's this unbelievable player in, in his Mets tenure. But you got to just learn from former Mets players' mistakes. That's what it is. We got a caller, Sparky from Dobbs Ferry, wants to talk about Lindor and bias learning and being better players. Sparky, what's up? Oh, not much. Taylor, welcome aboard, first of all. Thank you. Um, now, very important with those two. They could learn a lesson about fans booing from Tino Martinez because when you mentioned, when I mentioned the name Tino Martinez, you look right now, he's one of the most popular Yankee players you'll see. But when the Yanks first got him from the Mariners, he was being booed very, very heavily. And it was for two reasons. One, he was the player that replaced Don Mattingly. And two, he also was just playing lousy. Okay? And he changed the booing very simply by producing. Because what happened, 
they were playing an extra inning game in Baltimore, and he hit a grand slam, and all of a sudden started hitting, and it changed the fans' attitude totally. Producing, Sparky. That's what it is. Yep. You got to produce. One, yes. I mean, because you, you would never thought Tino Martino's getting booed, but he wasn't playing well, and... And replacing Mattingly didn't help either. No, definitely but, not. But Sparky, that, but that's like you got to think about it this way: it's not just baseball, but in every sport, and honestly, in life, if you don't produce at your job, if you're an accountant and you're not doing a good job, guess what? Your boss is going to come to you and not be happy with you. Just like what's going on with the Mets here, Lindor and Baez are not playing well, and the fans are going to rag on them. And guess what? You just cool. need to produce. That's it. That's it. Now, as far as the Yankee situation, and as good as things are going, it still comes down. We really don't have a closer you can have any confidence in. Because, I mean, let's face it, look at the recent playoff years. Chapman has really hurt them all the time in a big spot. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's very embarrassing because as, as a Yankee fan and Yankee fans in general have been spoiled for 20-plus oh years with Mariano Rivera. Oh, my God. You know? No, we've been lucky. I mean, it's flat-out lucky. I mean, to have that guy, I mean, it's... it's the opposing team know. knew going in that they were going to lose. They knew one pitch was coming, and they knew they were going to lose. Chapman's got really a couple of good pitches, but you can see tonight there was something different with Chapman. There's something different yeah. with Chapman. He was more relaxed. He wasn't aiming his fastball. When he was aiming his fastball, you can notice the velocity is down to 96, 97, where he's usually hitting 99 to 101. So there needs to be definitely a change, Sparky. And Sparky, I appreciate you, appreciate you calling. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking more New York Mets, more Yankees. I want you guys calling in 877 337 6666. This is Ringle on the Fan. We'll be right back. The Fan is on your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa. Okay, Google. Hey, Siri. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, play WFAN. That's a perfect drop there. We're back on the fan. Ringled back on the fan. 877-337-6666. Shout out, Travis Scott. I'm a big Drake fan. Nick, I don't know about you. That album's coming out. It's going out tomorrow. It's coming out tomorrow? I know he just dropped a bunch of features on it. I don't know if you saw that. I did not see that. Now you have to tell me after the break. Oh, boy. Oh, is it good? Big fan. Is it, I know. I'm a big <laughs> fan. Don't know what's going on. I've only been kind of studying uh, here. Yeah, there's the some show. big features on it. I know um, Jay-Z. All right. Is on it. Wow. Okay. Um, who else is on it? I think I, I got to double check. Oh, hey, look, I'm I'm excited for that because because what's his name Kanye dropped his, which is kind of like I didn't really like like it too much. But let's get back on track here. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six is the number. We talked a lot of Yankees, a lot of Mets. I'm going to continue talking about the Mets. And remember, at the top of the hour after Huesler's update, we're talking a little New York Giants football with. Second round pick, Aziz Ujlari was joining the shore, the show, excuse me, talking to this rookie, talking about the preseason, what he's looking forward to. Uh, it's it's going to be fun, but I do want to talk about more about this 
situation with the booing of the fans, like I mentioned the last segment here, did not go over well with Met fans. That they were putting the thumbs down, they didn't like the booing, so we're going to go give it right back. As an athlete, you got to eat it. You just got to eat it. And the best of the best have, and they've succeeded. It's just it's just how it goes. But I was talking off the air with Nick over here, my fantastic producer, about how how should fans really interact with the players? And is it something that will change? Because we've seen fans spit on players on courtside of NBA games. We've seen, let's just talk Malice of the Palace. I haven't seen the documentary yet on, on ESPN's 30 for 30, but everyone remembers Ron Artest and Steven Jackson going into the stands and fighting. Look, if I had it my way, I think every player should fight a fan once a year and just see how it feels. But look, that's just a in a different reality here, but it's just not going to happen. But the, it's like how should players and fans deal with each other? Because social media is is the, it's a gift and a curse, right? My favorite follow is on social media, particularly on Twitter, is Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman has done just about everything right for this New York Met team this year. Has he been dealing with and kind of be involving himself with the media? You're absolutely right. And in a way where it shouldn't shouldn't be like that. You know, I had an interaction with Stroman on on Twitter about when Tim Healy talked about how he does this, this, and this, lose the game, and then he goes and retweets and tweets about his unbelievable play. And there was a lot of backlash to Tim Healy, but then there was also a lot of backlash to Stroman being on social media immediately after the game and tweeting about his gold glove play he made. And the fans ragged on him for that, and there were some fans that stood by his side. I was one of those fans that did. I'm not a Met fan. I'm a Marcus Stroman guy. Stroman's a Long Island kid, played Long Island baseball at Patchogue Medford, which is a rival high school. It's mine at War Melville High School. Shout out the Patriots there. But tell fans have these Twitter fingers, and they kind of go off and say what they want. It happens in person and on Twitter, and it's how should these fans interact the right way. And there's never going to be a happy medium. Right. And and the fans and I'm sorry, the players get a little ticked off too, as we've been seeing. You have Trevor May and Pilar and Taiwan Walker and Strowman all tweeting emojis and saying, You guys should just relax. It's not a big deal. But let's be honest, it is a big deal. Players don't like it. And imagine that they didn't do that and they were kind of playing the same way they are. You know, maybe there could be some still bad interactions on Twitter. But there needs to be some sort of happy medium where fans, there maybe needs a restriction or something on social media. But in person, it's just there's something that you can't stop. And Nick was saying, is should there be some sort of restriction? And I kind of challenged him on that because I don't, I don't know the answer, to be honest with you. I tried challenging him on it. I don't really know the answer to it because there really isn't going to be any sort of change. They're just the only real change is that the Mets need to play better. That's really what it is. The Masters need to play better. There needs to be a lot of change in the front office and a lot of change going on with this overall New York Met offense. And look at the Yankees. 
look, people people are booing Garrett Cole still when he was having an off night. Aaron Judge has been booed for years when he's batting, you know, under 240, you know, or under 260, and he's not producing. Stanton's been booed ever since he's gotten here because we haven't seen the Stanton where he's hitting 53 or 54 home runs when he was at his MVP year. It's all about producing. Sparky said it before. It's all like with the Tino, Tino Martinez comparison here. You just need to produce, and fans are going to start loving you. And that's what it is. Look, and the Mets have they have guys that can be fan favorites here, and Lindor can be that fan favorite. He's going to be liked again. That's it's obvious. I hear people on, uh, calling on him on this show. I hate Lindor. I don't want to see him anymore. Can Steve Cohen buy out his contract, and could he be just be thrown on the street? Well, my fans, get used to it. He's going to be here for another 10 years. Just get used to it. And you're going to love him again. I don't think you're going to love Javi Baez. He's been here for a cup of coffee, and he's going to be he's on his walk here. It's a guy he's not going to – you're not going to – I don't blame him. I don't even like him because, you know, I know he wasn't the one who started it, but he was the one that was – his face is all over the newspaper on – on Twitter, I'm smiling. I said, look, hey, I got content to talk about. I'm excited. I got a lot of stuff to talk about, but it's also negative stuff. And then you got to add Zach Scott in there too. But there just needs to be a change. You can't have Kevin Pillar and Trevor May, two guys who have been pretty inconsistent this year. Pilar's had his moments, and so has May, but May's in his first year as a Yankee, I mean, sorry, as a Met, hasn't been that great. And there needs to be changes all over the place for this team. And I remember, I, I've quick little tidbit here. I interned and I worked for the Minnesota Twins in 2018, and Trevor May was a guy who was decently well, and he kind of didn't know where his spot was on the Twins team, and then he kind of found his spot in the bullpen, and then the following year he was absolutely amazing for the 2019 season. But there just needs to be a change all the way around. And we got Don from Brooklyn saying the next GM for the Mets. Don, you're on the fan. What's up? All right, so here's a name that no one has brought up. The guy who was fired by uh, Houston, along with Hinch, uh, took the blame for the 2017 uh, events, uh, Jeff Lunau. Um, he... Uh, did bring together a World Series team, and Hinch has resurfaced. Cora has resurfaced. Uh, I don't think Beltran will resurface. The players all found themselves scot-free. Um, and the GM was probably as far away um, as anyone from this event. Uh, I think he would be a, a good replacement for... Yeah, Don, uh, Don I, I understand what you're saying. And Jeff Lunau had a pretty good career rebuilding a horrible, horrible Houston Astros team, but he did cheat, and he was part of this Houston Astros cheating scandal. Then how did Hinch get a job? It's I think it's a little different. You know, sometimes you get blacklisted in the executive part of, of baseball. Um, Jeff Lunau has a pretty good track record. You know, smart guy, University of Penn. You know, the guy's got a, a nice track record of being a good GM. But also, he's suspended for a little while now. I think his he, his suspension might have been up by now. No, it was, it was, it was one year. It was, it was one, one year. year. Okay, so one year. So maybe 
this is a perfect opportunity for Jeff Lunau or whoever he's else. He's also to come a minority. He's, he's, a, he's a minority. Jeff Lunau is a guy that has experience. That's, right, and he's a, he's a minority. He built a team. Uh, he, he assembled the team, so he's got some talent evaluating uh, properties. Um, obviously, he can bring a team around him. And the, uh, the, the cheating was in the dugout, and Hinch was standing in the dugout. And Hinch has got a job. Yeah, but at the same time, Jeff knew about it too. So same thing with AJ. And, and the thing with AJ Hinch, uh, there was a job opened up. And there really hasn't been a lot of jobs opening up in the GM spot for GMs in, in Major League Baseball. But at the end of every season, a lot of guys go. A lot of GMs get fired. A lot of managers get fired. And players get cut or released or they don't get re-signed. So there's going to be jobs opening up. But Don, are but you these, are you a Met fan, Don? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I would, I, you know, uh, obviously, I, I would like to see. I, 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 I was in favor of uh, Baez coming because we needed a shortstop, not because he was going to be a long-term solution. Um, and Lindor was hurt, and we needed a shortstop. Um, and the fact that the two of them got together and acted like kids in a man's game uh, and really made it not pleasant for the fan. Uh, I like the fact that Lindor Baez are good friends and you can bring that camaraderie around and that friendship around could bring some sort of personality and leader, not really leadership because we haven't seen leadership, but more personality and a fun atmosphere into a, into a dugout, into a clubhouse I agree, but they were not, they, I guess they were allowed to, but they should not have been, should not have taken that step, nor since it occurred days before it occurred on the field, the manager just has to be aware of it. Yeah, and that's that's flat out. And would you want Jeff Lunau or would you want Theo Epstein? That's my last thing I'll ask, going to let you go. But who would you I, I want that, if available? Um, if if available, I would obviously want Epstein, but he might want more than would be normal and customary for the for the position. But I think that Luna would be just as as adequate, uh, and again would bring a minority uh, a Spanish speaker into that in, into that clubhouse. And into that uh, uh, as a, as a high level of official executive in in that in that team, um, and might set a, uh, a a bar for the players. Don, I think I think Lou now is a is a nice option. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, he, having a minor you know a minority as a GM definitely a good look and definitely good for the game. But Lunau has the experience of rebuilding a very, very bad team. Not just like a Met team that's pretty poor, under 500, has good days and bad days. They took chances on certain players. Lunau took chances on certain players and drafted the right guys. Carlos Correa and Bregman giving Altuve a shot. You know the Altuve story? The Altuve story is so interesting. Dick, you know this Altuve story of how he has been denied over and over again? No, which one are you talking about? So Altuve, when he was like trying to 
make it into baseball and going to camp and tryouts and stuff like that. He was denied so many times, but he kept showing up every single day. Every single day, he tried. He kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And then he, they were like, all right, we'll give you an opportunity. And now he's become one of the better hitters of all time in, in Houston Astros history. They didn't kick him out because he was banging too many trash cans? No. Oh, and they should have. Yeah. They should have. Absolutely, they should have. 877-337-6666. We have a couple more minutes until we take another break here. We're talking Yankees and Mets. A lot of Mets, I don't see this show. As a Yankee fan, I thought I'd be talking more Yankees, but I've been talking a ton about the Mets because, honestly, it's a little more interesting talking about some negative stuff and how bad this team's been and inconsistent this team's been. One team that they should be is like a San Francisco Giant type of team. The San Francisco Giants are a team that is so much fun to watch because they don't they have the names like it's like Buster Posey's a giant name, right? They added Chris Bryant, but they don't have the big boppers. They don't have a Stanton or a Judge, a name that's going to be really like threatening in a lineup like Darren Ruff is not threatening but he's produced Steve Duggar not threatening name no one even knows who that is he's an outfielder for the Giants but they do everything right and that's what this Mets team hasn't done hit runners in scoring position getting guys over pitching and critical outs getting critical guys out pitching well having kind of no-name guys in their bullpen Really push forward. Lamont Wade, who was DFA, or I think he was traded to the Giants from Minnesota, has turned into an unbelievable hitter for the San Francisco Giants. And the Mets, it seems like when they add people, it doesn't nothing pans out. It's just kind of the Met curse, which is unfortunate. But 877-337-6666 is the number. When we call back, when we come back, we'll talk more Yankees and more Mets for another 20 minutes. And then we got an interview with Rookie's giant, or giant rookie, excuse me, Aziz Ajale, when we come back. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey app. Wrangled back on The Fan bringing the tunes and also bringing you a ton of sports knowledge throughout the show. It's 342 here in New York City. However, listening is at home safe. I do appreciate the callers calling in. If you're not in the car, which you shouldn't be in the car right now, because what what was it, Nick? It was how many inches of rain in New York City? Uh, The news just said about seven, a little over seven inches. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's more than six. That's very true. See, Nick's bringing the funniest aspect. I love that. This is why Nick's a good producer, man. He gives you knowledge about... Uh, he just told me the list on Drake's album, which we're not going to get into because it doesn't really matter. But he was also funny, too. But 877-337-6666. We talk Jets and Giants at 4 o'clock. And then at 5, I'll be talking more baseball up until 6 o'clock when Jerry and Sal take over if they get here with how the weather goes, which I think they will. We're crossing fingers here. We want our guys working. We want everyone here. 877-337-6666, ringled on the fan. We've been talking a lot about this New York Met team, and this is a baseball town, so we're going to talk a lot about baseball. But the New York Mets are just a dumpster fire of an organization and just a dumpster fire of a team this year. And 
Well, the last caller here, I think it was Don, he mentioned Jeff Lunau as a possible GM spot here. I kind of like it. It's a nice, viable option. Has he become, kind of been blacklisted a little bit? I'd say yes. He's definitely been blacklisted because of the cheating scandal, but he's got a great track record of fixing a team, just like Theo Epstein does. But can the New York Mets, through the rest of the season, can they really kind of end the season on a good note? That's what Met fans are wondering. With all the drama going on, can the Met fans actually rally around this team and kind of say, all right, are we going to bend the knee and just say, look, we know what they did was wrong, but we we still like you guys. It's where to come back and root for you. The Yankees is different. The Yankees are a team where they are in the hunt. They are right there, ready to take over. Five, they're, they're, I'm trying to look at my notes here. My notes are all scattered all over the place. Thank God I got things labeled here. I got a million papers here, but they're seven games back from Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays are a unbelievable team. With a a team that doesn't have a lot of money, they got they look. They got a guy Nelson Cruz from a trade. He's a DH, can play the outfield a little bit, but they're throwing him at first base to kind of add more of an option to the lineup for someone who really can't play the field. But you got that, and then the two game lead over the Red Sox right now in the wild card. That's going to be an interesting next month or so. I don't know, I don't know how many games the Red Sox Yankees play at the end of the season. Um but that's something I can probably look up in a few minutes here, but down the stretch this Yankee team needs to produce in every facet. And when it comes to beating big teams and being competitive throughout the months of September, it's going to be big, man. And there's a nice track record though with this Yankee team that over the month of September they are competitive and they can win games. That's what it is. What is that? Yankees play the Red Sox three more times, all in Boston. That's big. When is that exactly? Is it like middle of September or end of September? It is September twenty fourth to mm. the twenty sixth. Yeah, and then the last series of the year is I think it's in the Bronx against Tampa. Am I correct? The yeah, last three and games? they play the Blue Jays before that as well. I'm gonna say it now, man. I I I've always liked this Blue Jay team. They're not that far out of it right now. I gotta just take the standings here. Yeah, they're seventy and sixty-two. They are way out of it in the, when it, to win the division. But the wild card sake here, they're only four and a half out. This is a team with an offense which is starting to pick up right now, and with a guy like Robbie Ray leading the charge in that rotation with Hunjin Ryu, who's pitching really well. Unfortunately, they, re- they released Brad Hand, who's been horrific for this Blue Jay team in the bullpen. I think the rate the the Blue Jays could actually push a little bit, but this this wild card hunt is so tight. And as a, as a, as Yankee fans are listening in, they need to understand that there it could be one stretch, one week. There could be another week like this, where they are on a long road trip and they lose a couple games in a row here, win a game, lose three in a row winning a couple of two games. You can't have that if you're the Yankees. You just can't. You can't do that. Because the Red Sox are sniffing right behind you. Oakland is a good team. They have been struggling. They struggle against the Yankees. Seattle has become America's team all of a sudden. They are. They have 
uh, you know, honestly, the whole trade with Abraham Toro and trading away to get him, and then the Houston Astros just gained another arm in Kendall Graveman was the dumbest trade probably the last decade or so. But the Mariners are still competing at 72 and 62. Or sorry, uh, yeah, 72 and 62. I'm reading it wrong here. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of teams that are still in the hunt. And the Yankees need to look behind them, turn around and say like, hey, look, they're close. We have to be basically perfect. And they were great in the month of August. They were great. You can't, like, you can't get better than going 21 and 8. Would it be nice to do that again? Yeah, it's just not going to happen, Nick's nodding his head as a Yankee fan. Like, yeah, it's just not going to happen. But adding, adding Rizzo was a great move by this Yankee team, not only because of his bat. He's a great offensive bat. He's clutch. He's a veteran presence. When it, be, when it comes in the conversation, when it comes to talking about postseason runs, you know, when it comes to that, that's important. Won a ring. He knows how to win in the playoffs. He's also been on teams losing in the playoffs, so he knows what it takes to get there, and he's tasted playoff opportunities. And he says he's probably having conversations with some of the younger guys on this team. And look, Aaron Judge has had playoff moments, but no, but nobody on this team has been to the World Series besides I think it was Rizzo and Chapman, from and, and Gar and yeah, right, and Gardner as well. Gardner did win that ring. He's I can't believe he's even still around. Um, he just aging as the day go, days go here. But having a veteran presence like him in the lineup, and not only that, defense is there too. And I understand why Voight was mad and pissed. It's like, I deserve to play first base. You know, dude, you were hurt almost all year. But having him change into the full DH and having Stanton out in the outfield is exactly what the Yankees should have done during his tenure. I understand Stanton's got a little injury history here and there. But you have to realize he's an athlete. Now, for Aaron Judge, too, Aaron Judge and Stanton, these big macho guys, guys, realistically, you can't work out like you're a linebacker. They all look like linebackers, Gallo and Rizzo and Judge and Stanton and Voight. They all look like middle linebackers here. But you have to realize that you can't put your body like that over and over and over and over again, just destroying your body by working out too much and you're – your body's not baseball players are not made for having gigantic bodies. And I think you've seen the last couple of years in size wise, Stanton shrunk a little bit more and judges has a little bit of the same, but they're being a little more athletic out there and Stanton's arm, let alone just his defense alone. His, his arm is absolutely amazing. That's what the Yankees need. And Aaron judge is turning into an MVP candidate, but he's not going to win the MVP. It's obvious. Otani's going to get it. But Judge, we're seeing Judge for the first time since his mammoth year. I think it was his rookie year finishing second place against to Altuve. Not Altuve, I'm sorry. Second place in the MVP conversation to Altuve that year. But you're seeing confidence at, at Judge at the plate. And something that I take into account when I watch um, either the Yankees, Mets, or just baseball in general, Two-strike approach is something that not a lot of players take into account. You look at some guys like Paul Goldschmidt, Rizzo's a guy, Joey Votto, and now you're seeing a little bit of Aaron Judge. You see a lot of it in Joey Gallo, the choking up of the bat, widening the stance a little bit. Their stride isn't the same as it is in an 0-0, 0-1, 1-1, 1-2 count, whatever it is. 
I mean, two one count. So you're seeing it a little differently. Having a two strike approach shows that you're trying to change as a hitter. You're trying to show everybody, hey, look, I'm not just a home run hitter. I want to have the average high. I want to get on base for my teammates behind me to hit me in. Now, Gallo, who I haven't mentioned much in this show, Gallo has been an issue. He's had that one Yankee pinstripe moment, that home run in the Bronx. It was a bomb to right field, which is perfect for him, being a power-pulling left-handed hitter, which the Yankees needed. And Cashman listened to the fans and saw what the problem was and got those two guys, Rizzo and Gallo. But Gallo, you, you brought over a couple of things. You brought over a power bat, obviously. He has 30 home runs on the year. But you're bringing over strikeouts, which is already a, a big problem with this team already. But you're also bringing over defense. Gallo's a gold glove outfielder. He could play first if need be, and he can play third base if need be for emergency purposes. But he's an outfielder. For my wild card game against, I'm assuming it'd be the Red Sox. That's my outfield: Judge in right, Stanton left, and Gallo in center. It just makes sense. But will Gallo actually have the ability to hit a, hit a slider off Chris Sale? Which is how it's kind of looking out to be. The Red Sox are looking like they are to be in it with with all that's going on now with the COVID stuff and majority of their team getting COVID, which is really funny. They're in the higher percentile, 85% and higher, of vaccinated players. This is like just like the Yankees. Remember when the Yankees had their woes with vac- with um with um guys going on the COVID list? And they just fought through it. And this is just a bad time for the Red Sox to have that happen in the month of September when it's time to win ball games. But I think the Red Sox are gonna are gonna come back and I think they're gonna be playing the Yankees in the wild card game. That's how my strategy is going. And then the Yankees will win, and then the Yankees will get demolished by the one of those three teams. But the Red Sox are going to be a tough game, though. Garrett Cole, Chris Sale, that's your wild card game. I like that. Nick's not in his head, too. He likes it, too. But will these, will these Yankee hitters be able to face Chris Sale? I was, you know, I host another show off, off, off of this, and I was talking about how Chris Sale could be this viable option for the Red Sox going forward. But what would it, what would he be? My prediction was that they would ease into his, which they are, into him becoming the starting rotation kind of guy, being in that starting rotation in the playoffs or down the stretch in September. I thought he'd be right off the rip, kind of a closer role or late inning guy. Have him be that guy. You pitch one or two innings here and there. Chris Sale's getting his... Groove back, his unhittable slider, his 97-mile-an-hour cheese up in your neck. That's what Yankee fans, Yankee hitters don't want to see. And luckily, this Yankee lineup is right-handed dominant, so there's one advantage. But Rizzo and Gallagher are going to have a tough time against Chris Sale. But that's going to be the question, is if Chris Sale's going to be ready to go for this Red Sox team if there needs to be a wild-card game. And guess what? If there's a wild card game, Garrett Cole's in the mound, they're going to be throwing Chris Sale and he's going to go at least seven innings. It's just how it's going to go. And I'm going to be sweating. If it's I'm working here at night, working on the game for the postseason, or I am at home, or I'm at the bar with friends watching the game, I'm going to be sweating the whole time. 877-337-6666 is the number. It's 8.55 a.m. I'm here with you for 
another two hours. We're not going to go to break yet. Just throwing it out there. Talking a lot of Yankees, a lot of Mets. We're talking Giants after the break, after Houston with the update. We'll talk some Jets. You know, might as well just talk some Jets right now, a little Jets. Nick, are you a Jet fan or a Giant fan or either? I don't watch a lot of football, but if I do, it's probably Giants over Jets. I'm a Giant fan myself. I'm, I love the Giants. We'll talk a lot about the Giants after this, but I do want to talk a little of the Jets here and how Zach Wilson was compared to a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Did you see this today? It was yesterday. Tony Romo was asked about Zach Wilson and being this player that's going to be above and beyond dynamic. But let's be honest, it's just not going to happen. Not going to be like Patrick freaking Mahomes. Just not going to happen. He said, I think Zach Wilson, uh, uh, yeah, I think I, said, I think Zach Wilson is going to be in the discussion as one of the top three to five quarterbacks in the league very quickly. Within the next couple of years, I think you're going to see him rise. And I think it's going to be unbelievable. He's a high ceiling, Romo went on to say. And he said, this is where he's the Mahomes thing. It's rare for me to say someone has the ability to get to the stratosphere of Patrick Mahomes, but I think this kid actually has the ability. So when you have a quarterback like that, I think of, you know, it, it, you know I'm not even going to read the rest of this thing. When I see that and when I hear that, uh, it, it's cringy. He hasn't, thrown, he hasn't thrown a pass in the regular season. Did he have a good preseason? Yeah, he had a decent preseason. Five of 20, two touchdowns, 191 yards passing. Not a lot to show, but Jets fans are excited for a guy like Zach Wilson. I'm going to say this right now. I'm going to say it later. We're not talking about Daniel Jones. Quarterback's got three years, right? You have three years to know the playbook. You, know, you, have, you have three years to know the playbook. Read a defense how to play as a quarterback in the National Football League. We saw what Sam Darnold had to go through. Yikes. Just not good. It's, it was very, it was just, the, it, when, it was just when you go with the mono and playing, you know, really just not playing good brand of football. It was just really an unfortunate situation for New York Jet fans watching Sam Darnold. But now they think they have their guy in Zach Wilson. I think they do. I think the, Gi- the Jets did an unbelievable draft getting Wilson, getting Elijah Vera Tucker from USC, and also getting Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. I think Elijah Moore is going to be a unbelievable pick here for this Jet team going forward. We're at 3.58 right now, 3.58 a.m. right now, 877-337-6666. We got Ed. Ed, you got a couple minutes. Give me what you got. You're talking about Yankees, Boone, and Cashman. What's up? Yeah, well, you know what? I'm a barber, man. I'm a hairdresser. I talk to people every day. And these guys come in and, you know, all right, Yankees had a four-game losing streak. They had the 13-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. And now they come in this week and talk about, we, we got to get rid of Boone. We got to get rid of Cashman. We got to start fresh. No way. And what gets me is, no way, absolutely. I don't, first of all, to say to get to get to want to get rid of a manager without being part of the team and not knowing what goes on behind the scenes. You can't do it. I mean, all we know is that 100 wins his first year, 103 to second. Mm-hmm. I don't count last year. It was a disaster, but they were still competitive. Yeah, they haven't won the yeah, World Series. Yeah, Ed, you know I what? mean, Ed, Ed, honestly, thank you for calling. Um, yeah. But, Ed, man, it's something that Yankee fans consistently do. They just overreact. They get all upset when something happens like this. And, look, in the past, I've done the same thing. I've done the same thing. 
it's unfortunate that we that Yankee fans are noticing that another streak of losing and it's just not competitive baseball. But guess what? Get over it. It's gonna be you're gonna have another couple losing streaks during the month of September. It's just gonna happen. It's just gonna happen. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I got a guest coming on. Second round pick from the New York Giants, linebacker Aziz Ojale, who joins the show after Huesler. Come on back. We'll see you then. Good morning at 4 o'clock. I'm Bob Huesler, and this report is powered by Superbook, now open with better odds and favorable prices. Also brought to you by www.policeofficersrighttosuit.com. The Yankees are headed home after snapping a four-game losing streak and completing a winning road trip. Garrett Cole did the heavy lifting. Yankees beat the Angels 4-1. Cole was overpowering. Seven innings, one run, 15 strikeouts, no walks. This is Aaron Boone. Dominant. Um, You know, he's obviously had some really good ones in his career and certainly with us the last two seasons. That, for me, was up there. I mean, that was a guy in control. I felt like his fastball was probably as good as it's been all year. Cole wins his 14th game against six losses. Luke Voigt drove in two. Aaron Judge at his 30th home run. A crisp ninth inning for Araldis Chapman. One, two, three, ninth for his 25th save. Yankees picked up a game on Tampa Bay. Red Sox beat the Rays 3-2, so the Yankees seven back of the Rays for the division lead. Two in front of Boston for the top wild card. Yankees go 5-4 and four in the trip. They're home on Friday to play the Orioles. Mets acting GM Zach Scott rested early Tuesday morning in White Plains on the charge of driving while intoxicated. The Jets release cornerback Bless Austin. Second round, U.S. Open, Sloan Stevens in the feature match. B. Coco Goff, 6-4-6-2. Naomi Osaka advances to round three in a walkover. Bike HSS is a one-day cycling ride on Saturday, September 25th in and around Westchester County in support of Hospital for Special Surgery. Ride, volunteer, or donate. For information and to register, visit bikehss.org. 63 degrees, light rain falling. That's what's happening. I'm Bob Eustler with Sports Flashes on WFAN. Listen to the fan anytime, anywhere. Download the Odyssey app. Favorite us today. And if you have a smart speaker, just say, play WFAN. The home of New York sports is WFAN, 1019 FM, and the Odyssey app.